Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, Franco. How are you? Is nice day is. Do you have any cheese at all? No. Sorry, old chap. What a senseless waste of human life. Well, hello, cheeseheads. How are you? Um, it's a bloody awful day, really, isn't it? Um, Frank Nostradamus has decided to take the week off and bugger off somewhere so he doesn't have to do this podcast. Clearly, he knew what was coming. Um, in the space of a week... Tottenham Hotspur have gone from making the champions look like a very ordinary team to making a very ordinary team look like champions. To dissect this, we are going old school. We are bringing in some of the big guns of the cheese room. Um, First up, joined by a man who lives in the frozen north but is still smiling. He's got COVID but he's dragged himself out of his sickbed to drink gin. And while he's there, he's going to have a chat with us as well. Caller, how are you, mate? Um, I've had better weeks. Yeah, I've had COVID this week, but you know what? I've decided <laughs> I've tried all the medicine. I've tried lots of hydration. None of it worked. I'm still a bit croaky and grumpy. Um, so I'm drinking a nice bottle of gin instead. Winner. Lo- lovely. Oh, just like the old days. Call her on. Absolutely. <laughs> if you hear any ice clinking or, or cans opening, you know why. And also joining us from uh, from the beautiful Vienna, um, sitting there in his living room, being very quiet so he doesn't wake his wife up, um, the dulcet tones of the Harlow Globetrotter. It's a joy to have you here, mate. How are you? Uh, it's been a busy week for me. No COVID, but uh, those who that we've had a kitchen renovation done this week. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a nice week off work. Back to school on Monday. Uh, another week off work. Uh, yeah, another week off work. Of but I think now... We've got, I think, seven weeks of work before we have 10 days off. No, I mean, not that I count this religiously, but we, 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 it's one of the busiest times of the year now. 
I have never known anyone work less than you. It is unreal. Like, literally, you are the... I can't say lazy because it's allowed. So I don't know what the word is, but the, the, I can't say sloth-like, although I'd like to. Um, just a person who doesn't work very much. You're smart. Do, do you, smart person. Yeah, okay. How about institutionally lazy? <laughs> do, do, do you know the phrase falling on your feet? Well, I fell into a recliner, basically. Um, yeah, my, my job is not the most difficult, even when I, I am at work. <laughs> well, I I've got, hate you. I've got the belly to show. So, you know, it's, it, it comes with the job, sadly. But, uh, yeah, someone's got to do this job, so it may as well be me. Yeah, it this is, is like, like old it is. days. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, look, it's good. And, and look, what we, what we always need on a, on a day like this is someone who is going to be incredibly miserable and rant quite a lot. Um, and, and so we've we've headed over to the United States of Dystopia, all the way to Boston, to track down Mr. David Bolton. Dave, how the hell are you, mate? Excellent, excellent. It's been a lovely day. Uh, I bought a uh, a new filter for for turtle, uh, which uh, was uh, seventy six dollars. Uh, I went to the because the poor sod has been you know swimming around in filth for a Brilliant. while. Um, uh, I had my toddler um, shit on me, which was uh, also excellent. Um, and then, happily, I didn't watch as much of the games I could do because I was cleaning up the shit that was on me from the toddler. So, in case any cheeseheads don't know who the fuck I am, the last time I was on, which was two years and four managers and a child ago... <laughs> was just yeah. after we'd beaten Brentford in the semi-final and I was less than impressed and Seb had a go at me for not being excited. Yeah. And then since then, I've been, it's been winter is coming. I've been sitting here waiting for the call, watching as the cheese was exploded into the public consciousness through the YouTubes and various other things. And Caller has become some kind of internet celebrity. Yeah. That so is far more disturbing day. than Tottenham's performance. <laughs> yeah, I think you're. I think you're doing me too much service there. And you brought me back. You brought me back. Brought me back, Paul. For this, this is the day <laughs> that you decide to bring me back. The day. You're very welcome. You are very, very welcome. See you in three years. See you in three years. I just don't say I'm going to have to listen to this. I'm going to. We don't have a run sheet. We're not Brendan. We're not we do organized. Have a run sheet. I sent it to you. It said, wing it. <laughs> and your point is? The point is, I am now going to have to listen to Caller getting steadily drunker on Jim, HG ranting on about Brendan Rogers being a fraud, you pretending that you haven't heard from Vlad. I mean, it's going to be one of the... Yeah. So basically, so, nothing's changed in three years. No, <laughs> and if you'd listened, I said two years. Oh, two. There you go. I've Speaking of Vlad... Speaking of Vlad, we, we did ask Dave to reach out to Vlad because we thought we could use some humour on this show. Um, and, and Vlad did send us a message. Unfortunately, he couldn't join us today. Um, but this is what Vlad had to say. Hello, Cheeseheads. How are you? It's nice day. So many people, in fact three, have asked, where the hell is Vlad? Well, the truth is, Vlad has been locked in the last six months in Jolly's dungeon, where Jolly has tried to drain Vlad of his sexual magnetism as a cure for gingerness. I say to you, take a look at Jolly. Does this work? I think not. Vlad has now escaped. 
and he is living in the underground of a place called the Broken Hill, where Vlad will earn his passage back to Siberia and his beloved Svetlana by performing as a gigolo. So if you have a lady and no one else can help, maybe you can call the Vlad man. It's so nice to hear his voice again, isn't it, Dave? Thank you so much for setting that up for us. <laughs> Is it nice no. to hear his voice again? I've still got all the pictures that he keeps sending me. Why is Jolly, if he's been in his dungeon, why has he not restricted Vlad's internet access? Where's That's a question. That? That's a question. All right, look, is we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to talk about this game as much as we're, we're procrastinating and putting it off. Let's, let's start. Let's dig into it. Let's see if we can make some sense of the utter toilet that we got served up today. Um, I'm, I'm going to follow Franco's lead here. I'm going to start with the, the selection. When I first saw the selections on the right-hand side defence, I was a bit surprised that he chose to bring Porro in, bearing in mind that he also had to replace Romero. So now the entire side of the defence is entirely new. HG, with your beautiful, brilliant, large tactical brain, how did that sit with a you? Analytical. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, I, I was surprised. I think everyone thought that uh, Sanchez would come in for Romero. And, and we thought that since Emerson Royal had played very well against Man City, he'd keep his spot. So that was the big thing, um, as you said yourself, Paul. <laughs> I suspect that the players, I mean, we've read stories about the players being really impressed with Porro in training. So perhaps there's something in that that the, the, the club thought will we'll give him... He's ready, he's fit, let's play him. We've spent a lot of money on him, let's bring him into the team and see if he can provide the things that perhaps we've, we've lacked down that side. But uh, yeah, I was I was happy to see Sessegnon nowhere near the squad. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the the fact that Tanganga came in over Sanchez was, was very much a surprise. I, I was less surprised at that than, than actually having both of them brought in. But I thought, I mean, I thought Tanganga was was okay. I don't think he had his best game, but I thought he was okay. He certainly wasn't the worst part of the defence. You know, if if anything, he was probably the best out of the three at the back. What did you think about him? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I think Tangang, especially first half, was, was the best of the three. I don't remember Davies doing too much wrong, um, but that's because we were too busy looking at what Dyer was doing or what he wasn't doing. But Tanganga certainly won a lot of headers. There were a couple of times where he went and won the ball high up the pitch and even tried to join in on a couple of attacks. So, I feel like Tanganga is, was was probably an improvement on what I was expecting, but still, um, I, I probably would have gone with Sanchez. So, Owen, just a top tip, mate. If you want to talk, you need to unmute yourself. Otherwise, HG is going to get in before you. <laughs> no, I didn't want to because um, you called me Owen, not Caller. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I forget. Well, oh, look at the, look at the branding going on, Caller. Look at this. We're branding ourselves as Caller now. Oh, right, it's so, got to be done, hasn't it? So, Caller then. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Hi. Let's continue talking about the right-hand side defence. For me, I thought Porro was... I really don't think we saw anything of the player that we bought. I thought he was out of position. I thought mm. that he struggled, that he made stupid lunges. Um, I was really mm -hmm. disappointed. How did you feel about the way that he played? <clears throat> I can't understand why he was started, as HG said, with Tanganga on the inside of him. I mean, why is Tanganga anywhere near a Spurs shirt? Let's start with that. That's a disgrace. Like, the guy's terrible. He's worse than terrible. 
he should not be anywhere near the first team, right? When you've got Sanchez there as a Colombian international, when you've got Longley there as a French international, and we're starting Tanganga, and then to put Porro in for his debut, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous next to Tanganga. But yeah, he looked lost. He looked lost. He was caught out of position. He he looked like he was nowhere near the pace of the game. He The, the game was passing him by. And they targeted him. They targeted um, that right-hand side of our defence the whole game. And had the freedom of the park, to be perfectly honest. I feel sorry for Poro. I feel like he was hung out to dry uh, by a returning Conte who turned up for the game but couldn't be bothered to give a post-match interview. I think it's uh, it's interesting you single out Tanganga as being uh, not good enough for a shirt, but he was clearly the, the best of the back three today. Dave, how do you feel about Jaffet? Uh, well, first off, it seems that uh, poor Jaffet has, has become the new Winks to caller. So um, I thought... There will never be anyone more... <laughs> Hated by me than Winks, so he's not he's not made that level yet. Right, that's good to know. I'm sure he'll be happy to know that he is not as hated by you as Winks. Um, I thought, uh, do you know what? It was the wrong game for for Hercule to make his uh, debut today. Um, it's he got roasted by Barnes, absolutely ripped apart. I mean, so much so that even the useless NBC commentators noted it you know it's it it was an odd game for him to come on I mean they all said at the start oh this is great this is exact we can't believe he didn't play last week against City but then I'm with HG on this is that Royale played so well last week that surely you keep consistency doesn't matter if you've just signed a player for what did we sign 45 million or whatever Play the guy that is actually in form. Play the guy that has confidence. Don't just go. Percent. You know, don't just bring the guy and go. Oh well, we we bought him, so we have to play him. That's just that's a fallacy. You know, they they have to earn their place. And Royale did so well last week. He was man of the match. And then you get dropped. And they, I was surprised. And I wonder whether HG would agree with this. I was surprised that that uh, Poro wasn't hooked at halftime. Because he was he, he was just out of his depth. It's his confidence, though, isn't it? It got sma- His confidence would have got smashed if it had been hooked at half time. That's why they kept him on because they put themselves in a position where they couldn't take him on. I mean, they could, but it destroys confidence. But who would have thought a month ago that you'd be sitting here going, "We should be playing Royale." I mean, you know, HG. That, that's a, that's a massive turnaround for for a player that pretty much everyone would have been happy for us to sell in the transfer window. What's going on exactly. there? I mean, two or three weeks ago, it was, why is this guy playing every week? And then at the end of the transfer window, we get Poro in, we're all happy, but we're wondering why Doherty is gone instead of Royal. And then Royal has a really good game against Man City. And yeah, now we are sitting here thinking, well, he should have played again. It, it, it's a very strange situation. Like I, I do, I, I sympathise with Emerson Royal because as much as he's not played well for Spurs since he joined, and I think that's clear, um, that, that you do feel that there's some kind of improvement. It seems as if having Kulusevski in front of him helps him because Kulusevski, you know, has that area on the right wing. He likes to play wide, so Royal doesn't have to do as much attacking down that side. It, it feels, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation that suddenly when Porro was in the team today, he and Kulusevski were often in the same spots or they wanted to attack from the same spots. It's very similar, weirdly, to what we see on the other side with Perisic and Son, that we've got these players that, 
want to operate in the same part of the pitch. And all that does is mean that our midfield, the central two, um, are, are often outnumbered. And I mean, they've been outnumbered most of the season, but still, today just made it worse. So I think for Emerson, he will almost certainly come back in for the Milan game. I'd be amazed if he didn't. But uh, he, yeah, like, when when do you bring Pedro Porro into the team if it wasn't today? I suppose we have to ask that question. Because we've got big games. The Milan game, the even the two home games against West Ham and Chelsea, they're games that you would think maybe the West Ham home game would be the best thing for him. But still, if if the if the English league is going to be a, a struggle for him to adapt to, when is the best game for him? First game of the season next year. Give West, six Ham. West, West Ham. Ham. Oh, West Ham. Oh, West Ham. Yeah, West Ham caller. West Ham, uh, are we at home, that one? We are right. indeed. We are indeed. Oh, good. I'm, not, so, I'm not there for that one, sadly, but yeah. No one was asking about your ticket availability. <laughs> We're just asking when that game I'm just, was. I'm just filling you in anyway, Dave. All right. Yeah, caller, none, none, of us, none of us are there for the game, Caller. You're not special. <laughs> exactly. I haven't been to a single game since 2019. <laughs> I'm just bemoaning the fact that I'm not there because I'm babysitting that day. But Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Um, You're babysitting. Yeah. Yeah, I've got two of them. Your own own babies. It's it's called parenting to everyone else. (laughs) That's probably happened the last time you were on the show as well. Yeah. (laughs) No, I... We're we're very skillfully avoiding this game. So, you know, well done to to all of us. (laughs) (laughs) You know, do we want to talk about nappies? Is that perhaps a a little bit more enjoyable than talking about Eric Dyer? Um, Look, let's let's move on to, to our... Like, the first 15 minutes in terms of performance... I thought we were doing all right. I thought that we were we were moving it well. I thought we were, you know, getting into space well. I thought that that we had a game plan that was that was working, and we scored a goal. Which um, although there was there was a bit of fortune in Bentancur's goal. I mean, he was at the right place, right time, stuck his foot out back of the net. I thought things were were looking well, and then Mendy turns up and strikes this. I mean, what a strike was it called? It was amazing, wasn't it? Totally ridiculous, given that the guy was a last-minute inclusion to the team for Thielmans, uh, barely plays, and he's never scored for Leicester before today. It would be against us, wouldn't it? Why always us? Well, I mean, you know, I know that off-air you were uh, you were giving Forster uh, so, you know, a few servings, but mm. there's nothing he could have done for that, was it? No, no, not on that one. No, nothing he could have done about it. It was it was a great hit. Uh, unfortunately um, for us, but um, them's the breaks, aren't they? You've got to bounce back from that, and I thought from that the moment that went in, terrible. Uh, the, the wheels came off really quickly, but I mean, I, I think that for me, uh, and Dave, maybe you agree, maybe you don't, I don't really care, but for me, I think that Perisic needed to do some more there. I think that, that he should have got closer to him, and yep. you know, would that have prevented him from scoring? I don't know, but it certainly would have given him more to think about. Yeah, I... I, I... I'm a bit on the fence about Perisic. I'm, I'm not as impressed as I thought I would be by him this season. And I think he... It, I know that uh, we're all a bit down on Sessignon, but I don't know. Perisic is what... He's he's nearly as old as uh, Jolly right now. I mean, like, sort of 103, something like that. But he's less ginger, you know, so isn't he? He is. He is Massively less to ginger. To be fair, right. he is less... And, and slightly more Croatian. But you know, it's I. 
I don't know why Perisic uh, plays a lot of the time, but you know, Antonio came back from his rather quick gallbladder replacement, which by the way, my missus had her gallbladder out and she was on her back for four weeks and not in, in a Vlad way either, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> the fact that he's back glowering at the sideline after, you know, a week and a half of having his gallbladder removed makes me believe he didn't have his gallbladder removed at all. It was a ki- cunning excuse to say, hey, I don't want to be here and I want to go back to Italy. I want to see Antonio Conte's gallbladder. I want a jar. <laughs> I want it on Spurs play. I want to see Paul Coit bring it out in the same way. I want T-shirts in the same way that we're celebrating Harry Kane's 267 with a bunch of memorabilia that no one apart from the Kane family will probably buy. Hang on. I a want I want a gallbladder. I have purchased something from that range. <laughs> <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> of course you have. There's a really nice print that came through the years. 60 quid. I thought, well, I can't do without that, can I? <laughs> well, you could. Yeah, you could, especially when he's probably going to score more. Like, wouldn't you want one that has, you know, when he's finally no. finished his career and it says like no. Kane 332? No. no. Two, six, no, that was the goal. It broke the record. I, I suppose. And I was it, there to witness the collect- moment in history. Boom. It'd be a collector's it would, item. It'd be a collector's item because you're the only one with one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Same. I don't think that's true. I saw Gov on Twitter's got one as well, actually. So shout out <laughs> to Gov. One of our beloved patrons. So, I was very so, disappointed. Sorry, just to finish this. There's no mug. If there was a mug for the 267, I'd get that. The mug is me for spending <laughs> 60 quid. Yeah. I want to stay with Perisic here. Cause, so now you lot of really rambling on about memorabilia that no one's going to buy. Um, <laughs> HD, Perisic had an absolutely glorious chance to score. And I, I thought the guy could finish, but I've not seen any evidence of him being able to finish in a Spurs shirt. What, what is going on with that? I mean, I don't remember him having too many chances, but certainly with the ball at his feet, I'm not confident he's going to find the corner. And, and I can't help, when I see chances like today, I can't help but think, well, there, there was another guy, another you know, Balkan left wing back in the market in the summer who I've been banging on about for ages, Philip Kostic, and he does find the bottom corner quite regularly. So, like, Perisic is obviously a threat in the air. He's obviously got a very good cross. His his one simple, very simple step over usually does provide half a yard to provide that cross. So that there are there are benefits to having him, but I think that defending was never one of those benefits. And so it, it's a bit, sorry, it's a bit frustrating. Sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Isn't he a defender? No. No, no, he's a winger. Perisic has never been a defender. He's always been a winger. Um, but it's, yeah. He, he, Is he? Like, yeah, that, that's the yeah. funny thing. Like, he, yeah. he was a, like, when Conti had him at Inter, he sent him to Bayern Munich because he didn't think he could play wing back. And then Perisic went to Bayern Munich and won the Champions League with him and then went back to Inter. And Conti was like, oh, maybe you can. And then he went and won Serie A with Conti. I just. I, I thought I think, he was a left. I thought he was a left back. No, he's never been a left back. No, he's okay. always been a winger. That's that's me not paying any attention to who we sign then. Just I, defensively, I just, he's shocking. That's the problem. Yes, but that's why I thought he was a defender. Well, look, 
the, the, the reality of it is he's provided more assists than anyone else in the team this season. So he is in the team for a good reason. He provides creativity. He puts a cracking ball over. And if Kane would actually... Even today, the corners. Mm. Yeah. The one we scored from, the one just before it, that was Perisic at his best. That's what he can yeah. do. Yeah. Yes. And if, if Kane was I'm not the man he claims he is, then he'd, he'd stand out on free kicks and let Perisic have them as well. But, but defensively, he is suspect in the Premier League anyway. Did Kane take the free kicks today? I don't think so. No, he gave it to someone else to make an arse of it. There's a first for everything. <laughs> well, thank you for um, just filling me in on what I thought Ivan uh, Perisic was. I thought he was a left-back. Well, look, there's nothing if not education on this podcast, Dave. I'll see you in two and a half years, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> so look, let's 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 carry on with this this debacle. Um, HG, this is going to really hurt you, right? And I'm very very sorry, but Brendan Rodgers got it right, didn't he? Yeah, he copied everyone else that's had success against Spurs this season um, by doing exactly what everyone else has done. I mean, we are very easy to play against. It's not difficult to frustrate Tottenham when you've got a midfield two that struggle and you can easily outnumber them. I, I will be honest. I, I, I do think it, it was it was. I mean, Leicester played well, so you you got to give some credit to Rogers. I will do that. But when I look at that Leicester side, I think most of them have been at the club for a long time. It's only really the, the centre back who looks like the Dave, David Luiz regen. He's pretty new, and then the other centre back they signed in the summer. But they've had centre backs at the club that he hasn't played all year, and yet suddenly the you know the front six were pretty good. The front six have always been pretty good, and Leicester are somehow, you know, approaching mid-table, not where they should be. So I think that for Brendan Rodgers, yeah, like what you saw today is the Leicester that they can be, but they haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen that Leicester this season because of Brendan Rodgers. So it, it's a weird one. I, 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 I hope they've had a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of injuries to be no, fair. No, they haven't though. They haven't had a lot of injuries. Ian Aonetto has been fit all year. Vardy is no longer Premier League quality. Patson Dacker doesn't really come in. Madison's been fit a lot of the season. Uh, Harvey Barnes, I think it is. What they've been doing all year is playing centre-backs, so centre-midfielders at centre-back. They had Ndidi there. They had even Mendy's played centre-back. Daniel Amati's played centre-back. And they had people like Vestergaard who were just twiddling their thumbs in Soyuncu, like nowhere near the first team. And I, I do think they're better. They're not world-class, but they're better than a flipping converted central midfielder. I wouldn't want to see Oliver Skip playing centre-back. So I'm not sure why Leicester fans would want to see Daniel Amati do it. I just think that... I'd love to see Oliver Skip playing centre-back. You would? For, 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 for the team that's playing at Spurs or what? Like, I just want to see Oliver Skip in a Spurs shirt again because yeah. I miss I'm, him. Actually, I would, I, would, I would pay money to see Oliver Skip play centre-back in the same way that I enjoy watching Harry Kane playing goal. Well, the, 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 the way injuries are going, you, we may well see that next week. But... Uh, no, it's it's. I think if I was a Leicester fan, you know, they beat Villa away last week. They thrashed Spurs today. I'd be wondering why haven't I seen that for the whole season? Because they're clearly capable. They've got very good players, and I mean, the number the the players that leave in the summer, like Madison or Tielemans or whoever, will go to big teams. So it, it's, it, it, I, I would be frustrated. I mean, obviously Leicester right now they're not going to care because they won four one, eight goals in two games, but. To me, today's performance was more about the players that they have and Rodgers for taking so long to finding a system that kind of brings out the best in them. And we can't find a system that brings out the best in our players. So 
you know, do you think that that when Conte leaves in the summer, that you know, Rodgers is a good shout for Spurs manager? Oh, that's bait. <laughs> uh, Spurs, top notch. Spurs women, um, he could do a job there most likely. Like I, I just think, I mean, again, we've got good players, and Brendan Rodgers has been smart in his career. You know, he takes over at clubs that are either going to win, or we've got a really good base of players. Spurs probably have a decent base of players, but I just. Yeah, the, the, Conti's question about you know not being able to find the right formation is something we've discussed all year and we'll probably continue to do so. But I, I don't trust Brendan Rodgers to find it any quicker than Conte, if I'm honest. Dave, we need to have two goals every time we play against Leicester because James Madison always scores. Yes. It's the only way to stop James Madison scoring against us by bloody buying him. Yes. <laughs> That's very succinct, thank you. <laughs> Well, HG was rambling on about his knowledge of Leicester players, which I found quite quite disturbing in a, uh, a Spurs-supporting way. He does seem to know an awful lot about Leicester. I mean, there were players he was mentioning. I haven't even seen him on my FIFA team. So, uh, yeah, we need to sign James Madison. So, do, do we think that um, that his Brendan Rodgers thing is a little case of me thinks the lady doth protest? I, I think that if we actually... If, if he was on camera and he pulled back, he would be wearing a Leicester shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Rogers on the back. Um, <laughs> Caller, Madison's goal. So we're, we're moving on to James Madison. That should have been mm. stopped, shouldn't it? Well, where was Eric Dyer? Chasing the ball at the midfield. I mean, he was so out of position, it's untrue. Uh, Madison took it well. I mean, I take those well on a Tuesday night. I can't be honest; it's it, that's an absolute sitters. But we were just split open. The defence were nowhere, and um, I blame Eric Dyer, the um, the original slabhead. I mean, the the defence, apart from Eric Dyer, were where they should be, weren't they? It, pretty. <laughs> it, well, it's just Eric, Eric Dyer, Dyer is one. Eric Dyer is the cent the central linchpin of our defence. So therefore. The defence is to blame, and Eric Dyer is to blame. But isn't the go. whole point of having the, the three-man defence so that when one of them pushes forward, that the other two can come in and, and cover those positions? And nobody covered. Everyone was missing. You know, yeah, they but would, you they have would... to look at where the ball was. You know, he, he was... Uh, Connor, he I don't think you, did you not notice where the ball was? The ball was exactly at the feet of James Madison. <laughs> and he put it exactly where he thought the ball should go, which was to the outstretched left of Fraser Forster, irrespective of whether, uh, where Eric Dyer was. The ball was exactly where it was supposed to be. I didn't mean at that point. but <laughs> And I love James Madison. We've got a close relationship. But, yeah, go on. I think the po point is that, yeah, Dyer was out of position, but why are we losing the ball in the centre of the pitch like that? That was It was a, it was a poor pass. Didn't hold on to the ball well. We've lost yeah. it. That's where it's turned over. Eric Dyer is an easy scapegoat because he was out of position. But it's much more than that. That's a whole dynamic of the, the patterns of play that we're supposed to be using mm. that just are getting picked off left, right and centre. But if you want to go into that, we, we, that opens a whole can of worms because we can talk about the fact that, you know, we we play two midfielders against virtually every single well, no, against every single opponent in the league, and they get out muscled, out outmanned in midfield frequently. The fact that three at the back doesn't necessarily suit and work for us. So, yeah, we can talk patterns of play, but we can talk about Conte's inability to adapt his tactical 
shape or the tactical shape of Tottenham to different opponents. And hang on, hang on. I, I think we're happening. missing the point. If we're talking about the goal, like let's say Davies plays that ball and he's aiming for Kane, and the defender gets there ahead of Kane, and it gets played forward to Ianacho, and Dyer is goal side of Ianacho. That goal doesn't happen. That's it. Like the patterns of play, look, I, I have issues with the patterns of play, but the issue there is that Dyer decides to leave his man behind him, even though he's two or three yards onside and no one can cover. It's mental. I want to argue with you, but I can't. Oh, you can. Go on. <laughs> I could argue about other things, but not that. Dyer was completely hopelessly out of position. Anyway, he move, was, move he on. Wasn't doing, he wasn't move doing on. anything. He wasn't doing it. It's like he had COVID. He was just trying to avoid all the other players. It was as, it was as if he was sitting in his office, not infecting people, and going down his escape hatch to a Tesla every <laughs> single day. Facts. Does that sound familiar, caller? No, 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 no. Point no, no, I'm no, I'm no, trying no. to make on this, and and I think it's a valid point, is that yes, Eric Dyer was out of position. That goal wouldn't have happened had he been in position. But we're we're giving it away far too cheaply to allow these things to happen. And that wasn't the only time in this game that we gave it away cheaply. I thought that our midfield today um, were probably poorer than I've seen them for a long time. Dave, how did what, what do you think about the midfield? You know, we talked about them being overrun. I thought today they were absolutely monstered. Well, I'm just going to, I have to put a, a caveat in here. I saw uh, minutes 0 to 16. Uh, and then good? I had to, which was, yeah. And then I left feeling quite good. Um, and then I had to, drive my wife to her office to do a, a call I came back at minute 35 and I had already had a phone call from the wife saying it's not going well <laughs> <laughs> and that was me driving back with a small child in the background I went oh, okay so I how about yeah I came back and it just our midfield has been a concern to me for several years because we just don't seem to have we d I, I don't know what I don't know what the uh, what what we're doing with midfields. Benton Corb was fantastic today. I still think he's the best thing that we've we bought in a long while. But we just the the lack of creativity. The lack, we we're constantly overrun in midfield, and maybe it's just me watching it while a, a small child is, is is shitting on my head. I mean, I don't know. It's very difficult to be be you know. Constructive while you're concerned about whether other things are happening, but I excrement on you, excrement on the pitch. I mean, that's that's the day that yeah, you yeah, it was. It's it's here's the thing, Paul. It's we were we we've been known for many many years to have an unbelievably good midfield and creativity and things like, that, and we just don't seem to have it. And is it Conte? Is it any of the... Because the we play two in midfield every single yeah. game, whether and they're up against two, three, four, or five. We play yes. two in central midfield, and they're always holding midfielders. Yeah. And, and you know, when cool. it works well, it's against teams like City who play really expansive football and, and don't match us up in midfield. But the majority of teams in the Premier League play at least three midfielders. So we're yeah. always a man down in midfield. And given that Conte is paid £15 million a year by the club to manage the team, you would like to think that there would be some recognition of this. I'm sick of it. Conte's yes. got to go. He's got Caller, to go. I hate, mate, I've known you for a while. 
I hate agreeing with you. <laughs> I mean, literally hate agreeing with you. I mean, Most people I, do. It's a, it's, it's a weird thing, actually. I think HG hates agreeing with me as much as you. It, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Even when he agrees with me, he invents ways he can't agree with me to disagree with me. Caller, I am five hours ahead of you in Boston. It's still light here, and I hate agreeing with you. What's the? I don't understand why the time difference is a thing. But anyway, look. I think the most worrying thing here is that somebody who's less drunk than Caller is. I, I think the most worrying thing is somebody who's thought that even Perisic was always a defender can see well, yeah. in midfield that Antonio Conte can't. HG. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for pointing out my 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 ineptitude. You're very welcome. Um, HG, is it the lack of bodies in midfield, or is it? Just the fact that we're not, we we haven't got this system that Conte plays downright. Do we not have the personnel? Because you know he's played like that for a long time and always managed to find a way, but he's not finding a way at the moment. But I think if you look at most of his career, he hasn't played a three-four-three. Three. He's had three-five-two, and he's had three central midfielders. So that seems to be a bit. We, we we've talked about this before. We had flipping Fabrizio Romano when he was appointed, and we asked him what will he do, and he said he will go three five two. So to see us play three four three, okay, we get it. We've got some good attackers. You want to get them on the pitch, but when it's not working, then three five two should be where he goes first and foremost. It's not as if we haven't got good midfielders to to come in. Like we spent some money on Bisuma. We think that Papsar is going to be a future prospect. Skip's been around at the club for a while. Like We're not short of numbers. We might be short now because of injuries. But I just think that, I mean, weirdly enough, I didn't think our midfielders played that badly today. I thought they were the two best players for Spurs on the pitch. Now, that's a pretty low bar, probably. But I think that Bentancur and Hoiberg had moments of real quality. Bentancur got the goal. Hoiberg was able to break the lines with passing early on. I just think that, that the biggest issue that we've seen all season is that they, are, they can't do it against everyone. Like against good teams, we will get outnumbered and we won't have the ball. And frankly, it's only been Harry Kane's goals that's kept us in games. But Leicester, like I don't think Mendy's a great player. Dewsbury Hall is a decent box-to-box midfielder. And he's, I think, quite smart on the ball. We all know how good Madison is. But those three were enough because we had no help. Kulisivsky doesn't drop inside because he doesn't want to. Sun does drop inside, but is basically anonymous. And Kane is too busy battling with the centre-half to try and get... You don't want him there either. You want him further up the pitch. So it's kind of this this obvious solution that no one wants to move into that position, so you just need to play someone who wants to be there. A 3-5-2, like... If everybody was fit, I'd probably have someone like, you know, either Bissouma or Saar sitting... And then you'd allow Bentancur and Hoiberg to, to roam, to get around the pitch. Bentancur is much more than a defensive midfielder, the, the one that we saw at Juventus. So I just think that 3-5-2 has to be the way to go. But we've got to the point now where we don't really have an option to do it anymore. Sorry, can I just, I, I just, wrote, can I just say that I really quite like Dewsbury Hall? Not, oh. not as a player, just as a name. I just, I, I just, I, I really would like to have that a on a on a just like a, a branded T-shirt. I've been to Dewsbury Hall. You know, I saw the medieval armor collection at Dewsbury Hall. That sort of thing. I think it's a great name for a, for a Premier League player. It's called as ancestral home, Dewsbury Hall. <laughs> it's it's a national trust property, Dewsbury Hall. 
Dewsbury Hall, yeah, I'm sure it's on the portfolio. No, I mean, Maybe it's Steve I, Diver's countryside residence or something. <laughs> if it isn't, it should be. I, look, I, I completely take the point on the on the midfield. Um, but has with all this talk of Conte not wanting to, to be there next year, with uh, you know, people saying it's time, you know, it's time, call us calling for him to go. Um other people are calling for him to go. It's not just caller for a change. But Dave, is it is it time? Has has Conte given up and is just like ready to go home? Um well, I was never I mean, I don't want to call out uh, HG on this, which was when he was first appointed, he said, this is the best day of my life. And it was, you know, we've appointed a world-class manager, things like that. You were you were very, very in on Conte. I was yeah, slightly absolutely. more reticent. Yeah, but you don't like him because he's ex-Chelsea. That's all it is with you. But bear, bear, bearing it, you thought, you thought Antonio Conte was a striker in his playing days. So, you know... <laughs> I thought he did. No, 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 no. No, you're wrong. I thought he played in goal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, okay. <laughs> I will admit my Perisic error. But, you know, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I thought Conte, as a player, was an excellent left winger. Excellent. <laughs> Could put a cross in like the best of them. Um, I was never... I'm always cautious about, ever since, you know... Satan, ex Chelsea managers, ex Chelsea managers. Not, That's all yes, it is with you. It is. It is. So when Thomas Tuchel, when Thomas Tuchel is gets announced as Conte's replacement, you're going to be as miserable as fucking sin as usual, yeah. I am always miserable as fucking sin. Thank you very much for pointing that out. Yes, I'm always. I'm co- I'm very very conscious that serial winners don't seem to do particularly well in N17. Well, nobody does do that. It's not just serial winners. Anybody. Hey, Ramos Ramos came in and, and got us a trophy. That's barely what, a trophy. Serial yeah. c- 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 UEFA Cup winner, Juande Ramos. Is that who you're I just, about? I am, I am just saying I was never in, all in on Conte. I think he is an excellent manager. I just don't think that we are the right place for him. Uh, like, my thing with Conte is that Spurs, ever since he was in charge, we, we were set up for a 3-5-2 even when Nuno was in charge. So I still don't know why he's so rarely done it. I understand, you buy Kulusevsky, then great, he fits the 3-4-3. And so we, we started having good results, fine, you continue doing it. But when it's not working, clearly it's not working, it's not. then something needs to change. And, and we bought midfield players in the summer. We have midfield players around that say, we can do this. I know we've had injuries this year. But those injuries have been kind of exacerbated by the fact we continue to try and play a 3-4-3. Like, Sun has been woeful all season. And I do think a lot of it is down to the system that we want to play. So I just, I, I think it would change so much by having three, three midfielders. I really do. Didn't he, when he won the league with Chelsea, didn't he change after three games because it wasn't yep. working? Wasn't that the whole reason why Chelsea won the league that Yeah, that he went 3-5-2, didn't he? No, no, he went to a three-four-three. That's the only oh, time right. he's ever really done it. Um, the three-four-three with Victor Moses at wing back. I mean, oh, but yeah, he also he also had Diego Costa scoring goals and Eden Hazard scoring goals. 
And so they, it worked for them. And at that time, it was probably quite rare to play a 3-4-3 three, three in, in, in was, any league. I, rem- I remember the whole discussion about it. It was rare, yeah. So, so I mean, they, and, it, and it allowed David Luiz, who we all know couldn't defend, to, to do what he was best at, which was the passing. He didn't have to worry about the, the marking because he had John Terry and Gary Cahill next to him. I remember those players too, Dave, but it doesn't mean he made yeah. me a Chelsea fan. I just no, no, no. I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that he did change. He yes, has no, the he, capacity to change if he thinks it's not. So why is he not doing it with us? That's what we, ke- we keep asking, and there is no answer. No. There is a, a, a part of me now starting to believe that Chelsea managers, when they sign for Chelsea, there's this clause in their contract that if they leave and then join Spurs, they have to somehow sabotage Spurs. Because <laughs> right, AVB did it to an extent, Mourinho certainly did it quite a bit. Conte just isn't like like no one can look at what Conte's doing and think he's he's trying his hardest. I mean, like I, I don't want to be all all Eric Lamella about this, but if you got the impression that he was trying or doing something or changing something up, then you might like him a bit more. But when he just stands there, kind of passive about the whole thing. And everyone, every single Spurs fan, no matter how intelligent they are, can look at that Spurs team and think, uh, something's not right here. We don't have the ball. We're, we're conceding two goals a game pretty much every game for the last three months. Feels that long anyway. Apart from City like, last week. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, as, I, as I said last week on our show. like When he wasn't me, there. Yeah. When he me, wasn't there. But that City result proved to me again that, like, if it's Rodri and Bernardo Silva, then our two can cope with that. But against a three, and a, a, a well, three that are good it. on the it's ball. It's not a two, it's a three. Yeah. No. So I, I, it's. For, for, if, 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 if you think Perisic can't defend and you want him attacking, and the same is probably true for Pedro Porro, then you have to have a solid base. And if that means three central defenders and three central midfielders, then fine, do that. But if you ask, dif- if you ask dif- like fullbacks to attack who then actually have to get back and defend most of the time and aren't very good at it, well, that's Kieran Trippier's last season at Spurs. Like It, it happens yep. quite a lot. If you well, want fullbacks to go forward, go on. What, just to break you up from the rant for a minute, yep. um, why do you think so many people defend Antonio Conte? So I've been on Twitter tonight, and, and it's all Daniel Levy's fault, isn't it? It's all Daniel Levy's fault. It's all Enix's fault. Didn't back him in the transfer window, and he's got, you know, it's not Conte's fault. He's bulletproof in the eyes of some Spurs fans. It's a question to all of you, really, not just UHG, whichever one wants to go can go. Why, why is there this constant forgiveness of Conte? Yeah, that's, a really, that's a really good question. <laughs> and I'm not going to give you an answer <laughs> because I want HG to go back into his rant again. Like it's, it's not even, I don't even feel like it's a rant. I just like, like we can all look at Daniel Levy's record in the last few years and think he's made mistakes here, there and there. Like He's not perfect. And you can look at all the players, even Kane, you can look at his past in the last two or three years and think that I wouldn't have done. That was ill-advised. So why not Conti? I don't understand that, like somehow, by by wanting to blame, maybe you want to blame one side of things, but clearly, everyone has made mistakes, and that if you're not going to even identify them or just ignore that they're there, like at, at what point? Like, I, I'd love to know what Conti thinks. Like, why are Spurs winning games and losing games? Like, what what is it? Is it just because we're scoring more goals? Is it the average Trevor Francis kind of punditry answer? 
because th there are reasons why teams win games, and it's not just because they score more goals, right? There's more to it than that. No, it's not. You score more goals, that's why you win games. You know. Yeah, but what? But but how how you get that? Ooh, like, game, mate. <laughs> you know, but it, but but that's that's not the only thing, is it? It's not the well, only no, thing. Just saying, it's how you get there is is the is the reason. But I want to go quickly around the room, right? So let's say contracts on the table for for Conte. Caller, do you want him to sign it? How long? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, no, no, I don't want him to sign it. No, um, I want. Uh, I I can't. I think his style has been antiquated in the Premier League. I genuinely do. Times change really fast in modern football, and I just don't see us winning the league. I mean, we'd need a lot of investment anyway to to get the play. You know, the players we need to do that. But we've got some bloody good players, and I just don't think we're getting the best out of the squad. And his job is to get the best out of the squad, and and I don't think he's doing that. And I, I don't think he seems that interested. The thing that's always frustrated me with Conte. And probably this is where Dave will say, I told you so. Is Conte is more interested in Conte than he's interested in Spurs. So when he talks about the club, he always talks about the club. It's not us. It's not we. It's always him and the club. And I hate that. I absolutely hate that. You know, if you're in a management director position at work, or even if you're not, and you've got people that have worked for you at some point, it's we. It's not me and you. It's divisive, it's not helpful, and it just spells out to me Conte is interested in himself, not the club. And I wanted Conte, and I was doing cartwheels when he signed up because look at his track record. And I remember what he did against Chelsea, and I remember the energy he brought to the Premier League. But honestly, I, the, more this, the, the longer this has gone on, it's shades of Jose all over again. And I just think that he is, yeah, Dave's sitting there going, I told you so. Um, I just think it's more about him than it is about the club. And we can't have that. No one's bigger than the club, certainly not the manager. And, and I want all I want is someone who's got the club's best interests at heart. And I don't think he has. I think he's got right, HG is chomping at the bit here. HG, do you want him to sign a contract? No, I don't mean like I, I'm not Conte out, but I don't get the impression that he's in. So therefore, I don't want him to sign it. I just feel like you know, we could look at the defenders that played today, and we all know that you know some of them, aren't, all of them, aren't good enough. But if 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 we bought three world class defenders to play today, and yet conceded possession in midfield, and they didn't play well, Leicester would still beat us. I don't think today was really about the quality of player on show. Obviously, you'd expect better players to make fewer mistakes, but still, like if it's two against three, we're going to struggle, and maybe the better defenders will be able to handle it. But that's not a way. It's not. It's this not, is what irks me. This is what not, irks that's me. That's not how you get Tottenham to be where we want Tottenham to be. We want Tottenham is... to be a side that can win every game and go out there and know that we are better and play well. But right now, it's it's all reliant on Kane. Sorry, call this, this is what completely infuriates me. Our defenders are not as bad as people think, but the amount of pressure that defence is taking when they're outgunned in the midfield every single game and the ball is coming back, ball is coming back, ball is coming back. Even if you've got top-class defenders in there, as HG just said, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to concede goals. The issue is we've got a left-winger in Son. He doesn't trap back. That flank's wide open. Perisic can't defend. 
difficult, right? But he's not getting any help from further up the pitch whatsoever, Perisic. On the right-hand side, you've got a new signing in there, or you've got Emerson Royal in there. Kulisevsky does do the work. But if they're getting outnumbered in the midfield, it's easy to pick apart every single time. And no matter how good your defenders are, when you're playing that system and it's a mismatch up the pitch, you're going to concede goals. And that's the bit that really frustrates me because it's like football fans don't see this. And I'm talking about people on Twitter specifically, which is always a barometer of reasonability. Um, They just think that defenders are shit. It's not that simple. To be fair, though, you all said Eric Dyer was shit when I said that there was there was more to that goal he than was, he was out of position. That. He he made a mistake. He will he does make mistakes. But what I'm saying is the amount of pressure that defence is absorbing week in week out, it's going to be more mistake prone than one that actually has a battle in midfield. Absolutely, so it's a far bigger issue than their defence. Dave, do you want Conte to sign a new contract? Uh, no. Come because on, there are two uh, reasons. Because there are, because if we if he leaves uh, in May when his contract expires, there are two other ex Chelsea managers out there that we could hire: uh, Lampard and Tuchel. Surely, how good could it be if Frank Lampard came to White Hart Lane and was a success? Can you imagine? No, and I don't want to. No. I'm just saying. No. It's, they're, they're out there. No. The two of them, they're Stop waiting. They're trolling. waiting. I'm not trolling at all. Well, maybe I am a little bit. But no, I don't want him to sign a new contract. I think we need to, you know, chalk it down to uh, experience and, and move on. If he hasn't committed yet, then I don't think he's going to commit at the end of the season. It's just... He's, but you know the problem here, Paul. You know the problem, and, and to all of you. The problem is we're buying players for Conte system. We're buying wing-backs. Porra is a wing-back. He's not a full-back. Perisic is a wing-back. He's not a full-back. So all of a sudden you get someone who plays a four at the back. And we've got another problem. And, and this, is, that's, this is the, the managerial merry-go-round. Is, is, yeah, is, you know, call it, that's, that's down to the system. That's down to, that's down to the infrastructure. That's down to hierarchy. That's them trying... To say to Conte, uh, giving you what you want. They're yeah. giving you what you want, and he's not committing. If you're yeah. not committing, then I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that we have a uh, a managing director who, in any other company, would have been sacked by now for the fact that he's been barred from doing business in Italy. We th- that's that's a discussion for another day. That's a whole pod in itself. Let, 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 me, let me move on, Dave. Let me move on because I, I know that like everyone's got lots and lots to say. Um, so my, my big question is to all of you, and I'll start with HG, is our season salvageable? Can, can you ask me again after Tuesday night? <laughs> so, like, yes, because you know, like the injuries are probably the worst thing that's happened this week. And not the result. The result today was horrific, but we've had horrific results before. We lost to Burnley this time last year, and then we went on a run. So I just, it's frustrating that we've lost Basuma and Benton Kerr looks like he's going to be out for a while, and obviously Larice is out for a while. Those injuries will probably hurt us. But the season is nowhere near over. We've got 15 league games, we're still in the Champions League, and we're still in the FA Cup. It's about finding a way to win, and hopefully giving yourself the best chance of doing that. And 3-4-3 will win us some games, but it's not going to win us the ones that we probably need to if we want to get anywhere. So 
it is salvageable, but something has to change. And, and Caller, can you see him changing enough to salvage our season? I'm just topping up with Jin. Hang on. Um, no, uh, that's such a difficult question. Look, as HG said, it's not over. Look, I have high hopes for the FA Cup, which were probably misplaced. Um, but I think we could do something in the FA Cup. And if we won the FA Cup, everyone would be happy, right? Because everyone wants to win a trophy. Top four, bah! who wants that? The game is about glory. Um, Getting to the final would be an achievement, as we haven't been there since 91. Well, apparently we're already in the final, according to people on Twitter, because um, Beyonce is playing at the stadium on the same day as the final. So you know, Five nights! Me. Five nights of Queen Bee in N17! Can yeah, you imagine? On- on the day of the final, how dare she when we're going to be in the final? Anyway, um, yes, it's salvageable. I think we can win the FA Cup. I don't think we're going to win the Champions League, but I think we can get past AC Milan because they're not that great. Uh, but then neither are we. Completely wrong. Um, and the Premier League, no one seems to want that fourth spot right now. I think Newcastle will flounder a little bit. I think Man United can be a bit croaky. Um, and obviously we're all over the place and, and, and Chelsea is struggling like mad and Liverpool are struggling like mad as well. So it, it ain't over till the fat bloke sings and, you know, HG's not warming up his vocal cords yet. <laughs> Dave, what does salvaging the season look like? Um, I don't like the word salvaging because that admits defeat. We, defeat <laughs> we no. did just lose 4-1, Dave. Did we? <laughs> Was Perisic playing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent. How was he? Uh, how was he as centre forward? I I didn't really see much of him. So uh, I don't like the term salvage because it's February and there's a long way to go. As it, as Caller, in his infinite wisdom, says, you know, we got 15 games to go. We're still we still got to play Sean Bean's team. Uh, which, by the way, is everyone else happy that we didn't have to be part of? Ryan Reynolds's fucking documentary about Wrexham. I mean, that was Ted Lasso written all over it, as far as I could see. I was just like, oh, I actually messaged Ryan Reynolds after they lost and said, I'm really good luck in the t- in, in the in the, the fifth tier. Did I'm he stuck- reply? Strangely enough, not. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not on his uh, verified senders list, apparently. But I was very happy we didn't have to do that. No, we've got, we've got it's not an unsalvageable, to use the wrong word, season. You know, it's, we're fifth. HG, again, is always right. We're fifth. We're in the fifth round of the FA Cup. We're still in the, the Champions League. It's not about, today is just, it's, it's a point in time. And unfortunately, the point in time is last week, we, we, beat Man City deservedly today we deservedly lost to Leicester City and the, the problem is consistency isn't it I mean that, that's something that dogged yeah. us for, for the whole season really and I, I do wonder um, you know and, and maybe actually you might have an opinion on this how how much the World Cup has affected um, teams in the Premier League I mean it's it's quite an odd position to be looking at teams like Liverpool Chelsea um us struggling the way we are, um, and even Man City to to a degree is, is struggling. Do, do you think that that you know that that World Cup in the in the middle of the season has has changed things? 
Yeah, if only for the fact that it, it affected the Champions League games that they all had to be played by the start of November. And the four Champions League teams, as you said, have all struggled. I mean, Spurs, weirdly, have probably done best out of all four compared to expectations. I don't think anyone thought we would be flying away at the top of the league. And so fifth is maybe worse than what we were hoping for, but it's not a lot worse. It's not Chelsea or Liverpool worse. And Man City aren't getting the results that they're, they're used to. So, yeah, like clearly the, the fixture list, I mean, I, I know that um, the chairman kind of alluded to this in the in the in the statement that was released on Friday was saying that um we had such a busy schedule before before the World Cup and we did. And it, and it's eased off since then. We've not played many midweeks since we since we got going again six weeks ago. And the results were probably worse than they were before the World Cup. So I just you know, yes it's affected things, but now it shouldn't do. Like right now we've got a normal season. Like, if we go out of the competitions, the cup competitions, we'll have a game a week instead of May. I just don't, I don't want us to do that, but I think that any excuses from the World Cup now are done because we're in a, we were in a decent position and we still are in a decent position. Now it's about us and can we, can we be the best that we can be? So we've been, we've been banging on about this for nearly an hour. Um, we, we have the Champions League coming up. Um, midweek, and we probably don't really have time to to do much covering that. What I really want to know from from everyone, you know, everyone said we don't want Conte to sign a new contract. So let's go around the room, starting with caller. Who do you want to see at the helm? TT, just to see Dave meltdown. Um, I think it'd be hilarious to see uh, Dave lose his, lose his mind over this. But I also think he would get a tune out of us almost instantly. He's got a track record of doing it before. Um, I would give him the job for uh, a couple of years, <clears throat> and uh, well, until until <laughs> we sack him. <laughs> no, I think I think Tuchel um, plays a better brand of football that's more Spurs-like. Although I'm not sure if that's still a thing these days. Um, and I think that he would. I think he's better at changing the game. I think he's better at adapting. To what he's got, whereas Conte seems to spend most of his time moaning about what he hasn't got. Dave, who do you want the helm? Uh, Pochettino. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Shut up. You do not want that loser back in our club. I knew I'd get a reaction for that one, and I said it deliberately. So uh, He's not He's not a loser, uh, by the way. I love Pochettino. No, he's not. But, but I don't think um, it would necessarily be no. a thing for the club. And I agree. Do I would I like to see Poch back? Yes. Do I think he should come back? No. That's basically what I'm saying. Um, the the bloke at Brentford, uh, Frank. I quite like him mainly because he's got a nice normal right. name. Good hairdo like as well. Yeah, hair. excellent head. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't seen you online in a while, uh, caller, so I can't uh, comment on what your hair is looking the, like these days. But if you're going for hairstyles, then I would I would say that uh, I'd like to see the Brentford bloke. But then there's a lot, there's a lot of hair. Here's the thing: P- Potter might be sacked by the summer, so there's another ex-Chelsea manager that we could throw into the mix. He's tainted now. I love Potter, but um, you know, he re- really upset me going there. To be honest, I, do you know what? Seriously, oh, I'd take know. either of them too. I'd take either of them too. Hey, Chi, who do you want? Can we have like both? <laughs> like, I want I want Tuchel's tactical brain um, because the boys are right. Like, Tuchel, I think, is the better manager. But for what Spurs need right now, like, I I think that 
given the fact we've got a whole bunch of young players that we've signed, and given the fact that Pochettino doesn't have to win over the fans, right? And that's going to be a major thing for anyone who comes in. They have to play the right kind of football. If Pochettino does that, we're there. Like so many fans want to see it go well. That I, I, I who do I want? It's it's a really tough one. I, I I want good football back at Spurs. Who is mo? Who is more likely to bring that? Possibly Pochettino. But is he going to go to that style of football that we saw? I don't think so. That's the problem. I, you know, I, I understand that he couldn't do that at PSG because of the players he had, but I I don't think that that people like Kulusevski, I mean, Son and Kane, are maybe not going to be long term at the club anyway. But like, do do you see Spurs really playing that that style of football again? I don't know. So. If I had to pick, um, I think Tuchel has the higher ceiling, and so I would go with Tuchel. Is that Graham Tuchel or Thomas Potter that you want there? <laughs> no, like, I, I, I think Thomas Tuchel is a Champions League winning manager. Um, I, I, I think that even though he comes with his own baggage and his own issues, and he, you know, he's obviously fallen out with Dortmund, and got sacked by Chelsea, and but like the, the Chelsea fans liked Tuchel. They liked how he spoke about them, and I just think that Spurs, as Caller said earlier, Spurs are missing that someone who can connect with the fans. Nuno wasn't here long enough to do so, and Antonio, barring a, a, a few jumps up and down on the touchline, what he said hasn't connected with us. Um, so I, that that's kind of what we need. But I, as much as Pochettino is great, and it's the easy option. Like, if, if are we going to shoot for the stars? Are we going to do the whole Bill Nicholson thing? If we are, then I think Tuchel is more likely to do that than Pochettino is. Uh, James, look, we've we've done an hour on this, and and I think that that for me it's been quite a cathartic experience. Um, I came into this really miserable. I I was a sad sack at the supermarket at seven o'clock this morning, waiting for it to open so I could buy myself bacon and HP sauce to try and cheer myself up, and it really hasn't worked. But um, you know, an hour with you guys, seeing that you're far more miserable than I am, has just made me feel so much better. So thank you all. Uh, this was, um, this was. I'm going to just jump in because I can hear uh, Tiny Chaos Machine uh, being himself, and it's earlier in the day for me than uh, than you guys. This was. Uh, thank you for uh, letting me come back on and rant in my own way. It made me feel uh, made me feel good today because. That game didn't. It was absolute rubbish. But seeing you, you know, hearing your your, your the dulcet tones of caller in my in my Marshall headphones was just one of the things which I shall remember from this day. You Other do brands of headphones are yeah. available. <laughs> no, not if you want to listen to metal. It's all about the bass caller. You'll know that when you go and see Beyonce over the five days down at uh, N17. Yeah, on the FA Cup final day. <laughs> uh it, it's been it's been lovely actually um thanks for having me on um i'm feeling better i'm not sure if that's talking to you guys or the fact that i've done three doubles of gin but either way um it's been pleasurable hg anything for you to add no i just think that you know, milan should be better than today it was a low bar but we'll be positive and yeah spurs but you never know what's going to happen with spurs and there's a joy in that too Oh, and YouTube's back. Uh, YouTube's back Monday night reviewing the game. And then on, I believe, Wednesday, but don't quote me on that, we've got our resident accountant, Mr. Diver, uh, coming in, um, flying in from Milan 
to break Lock down the... Dewsbury Hall! Steve Dever, live from Dewsbury Hall! Live from, live from Dewsbury Hall, um, and he's going to be breaking down the financials for us, which will be a riveting watch for oh, all people wait. that like numbers. There's nothing better than seeing live analysis of a financial uh, sheet. Oh, it's it's the yeah. most exciting thing I can think of. Um, all right, look, we're going to wrap it up. My little grandson's just turned up in his first shirt. Hey. Oh, that's Hello. nice. Now that is cool. <laughs> Carl, you Spurs. Yeah, that Poor is child. cool. C- cursed oh, for life. Another another one cursed for life. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right, gents. Look, we're going to wrap it up there. Big, big thank you. Before we do go, um, Spurs Australia, the uh, the president has been in touch. He's a very handsome man, and he's uh, he's been asking if we can talk to one of his representatives about uh, about their event that's coming up. So we've got that coming up right now. I'm going to play that. We're very lucky to have been joined by Professor Bruce McBrutity, who is the professor of drinking and rooting from the University of the Middle of Bumfuck Nowhere. Professor, what did you want to tell the cheeseheads? G'day, if any of you Bruces, or Sheilas, or Sheilas, love the toddy as much as we do, then you need to find yourself in Cairns. That's the last weekend of May, 26th to the 29th, where the Ospurs will be having their national. It's a huge event with people from all over the country watching Tottenham and drinking piss. It sounds like an incredibly cultured event, and I can't wait to join you at the Ospurs National Bruce. Come on, you Spurs. And the only thing that's left for us to say now is, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Punch in. Kois, 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 kois. Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.